Hey folks, we wanted to give a quick thank you to all of you who have left us a rating and a review recently. Specifically, we wanted to thank Maddie who left a review in the last few weeks saying that she just began listening to the One Thing podcast about a month ago. She started from episode zero and has been working her way all the way through. And she even started a 66-day challenge to making listening to this podcast a habit. And since then, she has been sharing it with all the people in her office and getting them to listen as well. Thank you so much for helping spread the message. We really appreciate it. If you have not yet left us a rating and review, please consider doing so on your platform of choice. They come to us directly, and it's a great way for us to get feedback on what we're doing well, the type of topics that you love, and it also helps us reach more people and make a bigger impact. With that, let's get into the show. This is The One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name's Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at The One Thing Team. In the last episode, you discovered how to have dazzling conversations, network with purpose, and captivate those around you with Vanessa Van Edwards. If you missed that episode, make sure you go back and check that one out. Today, we're going to have a conversation about the one thing that leaders can do to create extraordinary results. I know so many of you, based on the feedback that you've given us through the survey that we had conducted over the last few months, many of you are business owners, entrepreneurs, employees in a management role. We know that many of you are leaders. Whether you have direct reports under you or not, you are a leader in the sense that you're out to make a big change in the world and you want to be able to influence those around you to make a big impact. The question is, how do you go about doing that? Do you understand the shifts that have been happening over the last few decades in terms of what people really care about in their professional career and how you can show up and interact with people? Yet, do you know how you can show up as the most effective leader that you possibly can? Today, you are going to get to meet the author of Lead from the Heart, Transformational Leadership for the 21st Century. Pay close attention to the conversations that we have and specifically how I ask him questions to go deeper and deeper so you have clarity on the one thing that you can do such that by doing it would make creating extraordinary results easier or unnecessary. With that, let's get into this episode with author of Lead from the Heart, Mark C. Crawley. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like Breakfast on the Go, lunch, snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Where did this idea of lead from the heart come from? 
Well, that's a very big question, but I'll tell you that um, there were two sort of big components of this, Jeff, that one was that I had a really corrupt upbringing. Uh, my father was, my mother died when I was very young. Father was an alcoholic, high-performing alcoholic, ironically, but a, a psychologically abusive person who really went out of his way to destroy my self-esteem, my spirit, really crippled me for life. That was, um, he's an evil person, really. The ironic thing was that even though he did all of this and you would think, well, he's never going to give you the support, he always promised to give me uh, financial support to go to college. And instead, a few days after I graduated from high school, he just kicked me out of the house and said, you're on your own. And it came as a surprise because I wasn't prepared for it on any level and certainly not financially. And so as a response to this, um, there was no more connection. There was no support. There was no encouragement. There was no direction. There was no love. There was nothing. There was just me on my own trying to find my way in life and also wanting to graduate through college and, and complete my education. And so from the moment that he kicked me out after having all of this abuse, I really, really struggled to kind of survive um, just not as a human, but more so to thrive academically and earn my degree. And so as I finally got to the point of, of graduating, I looked and I thought, boy, I could have been so much better off if I'd been more thoughtfully directed and supported and cared about. And um, ultimately, what I decided to do on a very unconscious level when I started managing people, Jeff, was to give them those very things. And so the, the first answer I would give to you is that I've always led to the heart because I always gave people what I always deeply wanted and believed would have made me thrive as a human being had I gotten it earlier in my life. You mentioned before we hit record that this idea of leading from the heart is kind of controversial. There's an old way of leadership and management. And then there's this new way that the old guard is still having a hard time embracing. Walk us through that a little bit. Well, um, interestingly, when when uh, the book was about to come out, I, I, I spent a lot of money. I'll tell you honestly, it was $10,000 to a very well-known marketing consultant, somebody who helps authors get their books launched. And she told me with no uncertain terms, um, using the F-bomb to say that I would fail miserably if I used the word heart in the title. She said, you cannot and should not do this. And so... Um, I think the big reason is, is that we we hear the word heart and we have this immediate association in business that it's soft and it's weak and it's sentimental. And whoever would say this doesn't get business because you don't get close to people. You just treat people as workers. They get a paycheck. They do their job. But it's just simply not the case. And um, if you want to dig into this, I'll tell you that there's profound new science that is showing that the heart is really what drives people's engagement. It's feelings and emotions that drive our behavior. And so paying attention to the heart, I, I had to own it because I'm saying I did it through the course of my career with tremendous success. And now I have the science to back it up to show why it works so successfully. Well, walk us through the 40,000 foot level of, of the science behind it. So the for 300 years, um, and, and this really gave me the courage to, to use the word because I knew that I was going to get the punches from business people. But uh, for 300 years, medical science believed that the heart was just a pump. And uh, the person that introduced me to the history of this was a world-class cardiologist herself, Dr. Mimi Ganeri. 
And so she said, you know, when I went to meet her, she said, I want you to understand something. Uh, you figured out something we're just discovering in medicine, that we now know that the heart and the mind are connected and that the heart and mind are sending communication back and forth and that the heart actually gives more communication to the mind. So she said, feelings really are driving our behavior. We don't realize this. We think and proudly think we're really great, you know, rational beings. But how we feel at any given moment is really driving our motivation and what we commit ourselves to, where we spend our time. That makes a lot of sense to me. Is there anything that's about to come out that supports this further? Um, that's a really interesting question because there's some really cool stuff and it's out already. Um, I'm sure you're very familiar, Jeff, with the whole positive psychology movement and the study into positive psychology that's started by uh, Martin Seligman at the University of Pennsylvania. But there's a professor now at the University of North Carolina, Barbara Fredrickson, who has really devoted her life to studying emotions. And one of the things that she told me recently, which was really kind of astonishing, is there's two things about emotions. Emotions. First is is that they're very short lived. So whether they're negative emotions like anger or frustration or joy and awe, they don't last very long. So she said that we also know that human beings, all of us, are hardwired to thrive on positive emotions, and because they're short lived, we need a lot of them. And so what that tells me is it's this reinforces this idea that work has to be more about pay and more about giving people what I call emotional currency, which are certain experiences that give people the positive emotions that put them into their optimal level of performance. So with, with all of this being said, Mark, I'm imagining I'm a leader in an organization. I have people who report to me. What changes should I be considering making? in my leadership style? Well, you know, traditional management is we, we pay people as little as possible and we squeeze as much out of them as possible. And that's been a model that's lasted for over 100 years. And it carries over, even if it's not as, you know, sort of direct as that. It, it clearly carries over in how we think about business decisions. And so I think the big picture to answer, to answer you uh, is to say that you really need to start caring about people. Because the if I could condense my whole thesis into one sentence, it's it's we reap what we sow. There's simply no question about it that people instinctively reciprocate when they feel cared for, when they feel valued, when they feel supported, when they feel like they're being developed and they're growing and they're appreciated, that somebody really appreciates what they're doing. It, it sets off fireworks inside of people and makes them want to commit, it makes them loyal, it makes them engaged, it makes them productive. And we've always thought it was the other way around. We've always thought we needed to, to push people and to manage by fear and intimidation and even micromanagement. This is the only way we're gonna get people to perform. And it's just the opposite. So let's break that down and go deeper there because I hear this idea of care about your people. And I'm even reflecting on myself here. I care very deeply about the people that I work with. And I also am self-aware enough to know that I move wicked, wicked fast. And I can be extremely intense. And sometimes my caring is not reflected in my actions. So what's the one thing someone can do such that by doing it would make showing the people that they care easier or unnecessary? Tell people you care. 
I mean, obviously, if your behavior is so inconsistent with what you're telling people, then there's not going to be a lot of congruity and people aren't going to believe you or trust you. Right. So um, you can't use that excuse forever. Right. Well, I'm sorry, but I didn't behave correctly. I mean, obviously, there's enough of your day to day, week to week, month to month experience with people go. Yes, Jeff really does care. Right. So I think it starts with that intention of I'm going to care. I'm I want to demonstrate to people that I care. And so that that needs to be the filter by which you make your decisions. How am I communicating? Am I communicating in a way that's going to make people feel good and supported? Or is this going to feel threatening? And so think it through from that perspective. You know, Maya Angelou has this famous quote, and I'll paraphrase it, but she said, basically, basically, people never forget how you make them feel. And the science is really there to corroborate that. So keep that in the back of your mind. How am I making people feel in any one given point? And we all get stressed and we all get you know, overwhelmed. And by the way, our worst behaviors tend to come out under stress. So one thing I would suggest to anybody who's listening to this who's a leader is to work on yourself and to make sure that you sort of tamp that down so that you're not being a jerk when you're under stress, because that sort of negates all the good stuff you've done if you do that enough times. But I think really it's, it's remembering, it's setting the intention that if people are feeling good, they're going to respond in all the ways that I need them to. Can you share an example with us of a time when you did this as a leader? Um, Obviously, I did this throughout my entire career, but you just stimulated this really cool memory that I had of. So uh, in my career, probably a couple decades ago, I was managing a very large uh, group of bank branches. So, you know, where you go to get a checking account or mortgage. And and, uh, so I had all of my managers in, there's about 40 people. Um, They're all running bank branches and had them in for a meeting. And I told them that I wanted to have them start reading books that I thought would help them and that we would take time in our meetings to discuss them. And so I said, you know, what would you guys think about, you know, really cultivating a better understanding of leadership and growing as a team? And for some reason, their instinct was, oh, you know, that might be better for the our, our direct reports, the assistant branch managers. You know, why, why don't you do that? And they just, I don't know what that instinct was, but it was like, they just thought they were beyond that. They thought, you know, we've already, we're already branch managers. We don't need that. So I started to do it. I took the assistant managers, brought them in, gave them books. We started to discuss them. We did quizzes. We made it really fun. And all of a sudden, these assistant managers started dressing differently, carrying themselves differently, behaving differently. Their performance soared. And the managers were seeing this. And over probably a four or five month period of time, one day, one of the managers said, well, why don't you do this for us? And I said, well, I tried to, but you guys really weren't into it. So then we did it for the managers and it had the absolutely same effect. Hmm. I'm putting myself in, in the listener's shoes, Mark, and I'm going, all right, I, I listen to this podcast because it's the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. And I know that they like walking away with a tangible action step that they can take. What's the actionable side of bringing caring into their leadership? Another really good question. Um, Well, you know, there's you guys um, at the one thing have this sort of ethos of wherever you put your time and energy, you get better. 
And so I would say if if you're a manager or supervising people, or frankly, this applies to even just if you want to enhance your own career, a lot of this relates. But the first one is is really to, to think about who you're bringing on to your team. We can find people who have the skills. What you really want to find are people that have the passion to do that kind of work and to do it the way you do it. So is this person going to like working here and being a cultural fit the way I manage my style? So if you're hiring somebody, Jeff, you have to think about, is this person going to fit with the way we do things and the way we like to do things aspirationally? And then the second part of this is is really to connect on a personal level, which is this massive taboo in business. It's like we say, oh, no, you don't want to get too close to people. They're too messy. It's going to take up too much of your time. And I'm saying, no, it's really just the opposite. And I'm not talking about Sunday dinner or you know going out for drinks. I'm really talking about getting to know what people want and need in exchange for work. And everybody is different. And if you can make little subtle changes to their schedule that might accommodate what's going on in their life or just being sensitive to the fact that they're dealing with an ailing parent or a kid who's struggling in school, but mostly it's understanding what they want. I'd like to grow. I want to, I want promotions. Okay. Let me help build the plan to get you there. It's managing people on a personal level and maximizing human potential. One of the things that I think I've seen in so many managers through the course of my career is they're, they're really coming from this mindset of scarcity. And so they think, well, if I teach somebody, if I teach you something, Jeff, then you're going to probably try to take my job. And so out of fear, they resist growing their people and teaching them what they know. But you have to kind of have, you know, the millennials point of view is I want to coach. So that's the mindset you need is you need to coach people and you need to feel comfortable that by coaching, you're going to elevate performance. And then the final one is another one, a big one of your the Keller Williams mentality, which is gratitude, expressing appreciation, telling people how much you appreciate them. And in management through, again, through the course of my career, I've seen so many managers think, you know, I, I can't give out too much appreciation. Like if I give it too much, they're going to, you know, get soft around the middle and they're not going to perform. And it's just the opposite. People need to be thanked. It needs to come from the heart. It needs to be authentic. Do those four things and do them consistently and you'll have an extraordinarily high performing team. So I'm going to press you here because the podcast isn't the four things. It's the one thing. What's the one thing, specific, measurable activity someone listening to this can do that if they did this consistently over time would be that lead domino that would unleash hockey stick growth in their leadership ability? Love your people. And what's the one thing someone can do such that by doing it would allow them to love their people? I think it really means to demonstrate to each person you manage that they as an individual person matter to you and that you know them and understand them and intend to support them in whatever aspirations they have for work in order to get the exchange for people to do exactly what you're hoping them to do, which is to be fully engaged, loyal, very high performing, and fully committed. So what I heard is that you actually have to understand who they are. Is that, is that fair? Yes. And what's the one thing someone can do such that by doing it would allow them to actually understand who each of their people are individually? You, you cannot manage people unless you know their story, Jeff. You have to absolutely understand who they are, 
what their background is, what their dreams are, what their challenges are, where where they need growth opportunities, where they need coaching, what talents you can maximize. If you don't know their story, you fundamentally can't manage them effectively. There we go. Okay. Now I feel like we just got it. So oh, what, I'm, what, I, what I'm hearing... <laughs> 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 it's all in love, man. Uh, so what I'm hearing you say... You're doing great. You're doing great. You're really good. So what I'm hearing you say is that if I'm a manager, screw that. Even if I'm not a manager, if you work with other people, if you can simply sit down and ask them, what's your story? Why are you here? And what is it that you're working toward? And just just that single question makes everything else easier or unnecessary. How would you feel if I asked you those questions? If we were just sitting and I got to know you and I'm a coworker and I asked you these things. Yeah. Who who doesn't want to share who they are? Who and who isn't honored when somebody asks them, "Tell me about you." And then I love I, you just nailed it. I mean, you really nailed it to the extent that when if I'm just forget I'm, I'm not a manager, I'm just a coworker, but if I get to know you, and you tell me something about you. And then I come to you and I say, hey, I just read this book when you were telling me that this matters to you. And I read this book and I thought of you and you need to read this. What an investment you're making in that relationship. And what a demonstration that you care about them. Mm-hmm. And then when you're working with them, how do you think that relationship is going to go, particularly when it's under stress? It's going to go great because they'll always remember this person cares about me. This person knows me. This is somebody who you know I trust. It's very, very powerful. So you nailed it. My question for you is, who are the people in your life that you really care about? And do you have clarity, real clarity, on why they're doing what they're doing and what they're working toward? How much time do you really think it would take to ask that question and to receive the answer? What would become possible if you just started asking that question? How much time would it take you to ask all the people that matter most to you that question? And what would become possible in your life once you do? Mark, where can people learn more about Lead from the Heart? All roads lead to Rome at leadfromtheheart.com, Jeff. You can find me <laughs> LinkedIn, Twitter, my whole website, the book, um, everything is, is that would be the easiest place for people to find me. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And, and I love being able to take a concept and, and boil it down into something that's so simple, especially in, in a case that matters as much as this one does. So thank you for the work you do. We really appreciate you. And thank you so very much, Jeff. Well, there you have it. My conversation with Mark C. Crawley, author of Lead from the Heart, Transformational Leadership for the 21st Century. What I appreciate about this conversation is how you can take a high-level concept like leading from the heart or showing people that you care and boiling it down to one thing that you can do. I don't know about you, but When we got to that point where he's just saying, just have the conversation, ask the question, why are they doing what they're doing? Where do they want to go? I started taking inventory of all the people that I do interact with. I started to see where the holes are. And that gap, bridging that gap, suddenly seemed achievable. 
Our question for you is, will you take action? Will you rewind the episode if need be and listen to the questions that we asked you? Will you answer them? And will you take the action? If you do, what will be possible? As always, thank you so much for listening to this show. It has been such an honor serving all of you for the past year plus, and we look forward to making a bigger impact over the next year. One thing you can do to support us in that effort is to, first and foremost, subscribe to the show if you have not yet already. It'll make sure all future episodes automatically get downloaded to your device. And second, please leave us a rating and review. It's one of the best ways that we can reach more people and they get to see the type of feedback that you have left based on the show. And as always, if there's somebody who you interact with directly that you think needs to hear this, kind of like how Maddie did at the beginning, please share it with them directly. Thank you so much. And we look forward to being with you in the next episode.